to another episode of The Key to Conservative, where we talk about life, we talk about liberty, we talk about the pursuit of happiness. And yes, we're showing the world that Cajuns do have intelligence. I'm glad to be with you here today, the start of this new week, as we wrap up this last week, which had a lot of stuff going on. We had Texas Congress people leaving their state to not vote, and it's funny how they talk about democracy, but or trying to stop democracy. But we're going to get into all that in a few minutes. Remember, go hit that subscribe button. Like us on Facebook. Go ahead and check out our website, thecajunconservativeshow.wordpress.com. You can go ahead and find all our episodes there. All the information about this show, you can send me emails at thecajunconservative5 at gmail.com. So this week, Louisiana has some hope in its future. This week, it was officially called that we're going to have a Louisiana veto session. But, of course, we're getting, we're, we're getting all kind of reports of Republicans saying, oh, well, we're not going to go. And you, you, we have so much stuff going on into here. And I know a little bit about it, but I'm bringing on this next guest. And he, he's, he has been on the program before, gave us a lot of great information about our, our state and what, what we got to do with this. And I think it would be better for him. He is pre-law. And he is doing all that stuff. I'm going to introduce to you Miss Luke, uh, Mr. Luke Dupree. Luke, how you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing awesome, Isaac. Man, it's been a long time, my brother. How, how you been? Been doing good. Can't ask for better. It's an awesome uh, afternoon in Iowa, Louisiana. Oh, man. You, you got to just love Louisiana politics, my brother. You just got to love it because... You know, besides the national politics, this is making my blood ball because I'm reading all kind of stuff. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to tell us about it. Uh, tell us what you do in the state of Louisiana because you're part of Louisiana politics. You're an elected official. Uh, give us a little bit of your background before we get into this topic of the veto session. Sure, sure. Um, I'm a student at the LSU Law Center. Uh, I'm a student at the LSU Graduate School as well. I study uh, religious and political history in Louisiana. Um, but one of the biggest things that I do is I sit on the, uh, essentially the board of the LAGOP, which is the Republican State Central Committee. I sit on that on behalf of Acadia Parish, and I'm also the uh, chairman of the Acadia Parish Republican Party. So, so you're pretty wrapped into a lot of what's going on in the state of Louisiana at the, what's going on right now. Oh yeah, I talked. I talked to uh, the elected officials, some of the representatives, some of the senators, just about every day. So, 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 uh, so we we got a good inside source, folks. Hey, Luke Dupree, you one of the best, man. Oh, uh, don't say all that, Isaac. I'm just <laughs> here to here to give some good information, clear up some stuff. I hear you. I hear. You. All right, so we're hearing a lot about this veto session in Louisiana. A lot of my audience. Um, want to know more about it? We're part of groups on Facebook. Um, Pretty much so, the Citizens for a Better Louisiana, they allow me to share my content on their their uh, their page. And I went ahead and shared when this was announced that it was going to be happening, I believe, on Tuesday. And there's a lot of big bills that are going on. And a lot of Louisiana people don't know what this is because, you know, since our rewriting of the Louisiana Constitution back in 1974, a lot of people are unfamiliar with this ground because this is the first veto session ever held since that the document was rewritten. So, Luke, just, just tell me a little bit, what is a, uh, what is a veto session and what it means to Louisiana? 
sure. I'm going to try to do it uh, pretty quickly without rambling on and on. Um, so, like you said, back in 1974, Louisiana got its uh, present constitution. And that constitution says that if the governor vetoes a bill, right, then the legislature 40 days later shall meet in a veto session, which is going to last, which lasts five days and decides whether or not to override his veto. Um, that session has never happened before, like you said, since 1974. But it's not because the governor has never vetoed anything. It's because the Constitution allows the legislators, if they all mail in little ballots that say they don't think that a veto session is necessary, if a majority of those mail those in, then there's no veto session that's had. And what they do is if they wanted to do a bill and theirs got vetoed, they just try again the next session. So we've never had one, except this time, John Bell has vetoed a lot of bills that were important to a lot of these legislators. And they're trying to make a statement. Um, a lot of the Republican legislators are trying to really make a statement about this, not only because of the fact that they have these important bills, but also because he repeatedly rejected their uh, attempts to take away some of his executive authority during COVID. And I think this is sort of a challenge to sort of match that. Um, you know, you couldn't, they tried to take away some of his executive authority during COVID lawfully. Uh, one of the courts, the district courts in Louisiana, disagreed with that. And so now they're back at that bat, back at their playing field, um, trying to, essentially preserve the checks and balances that they have against the governor. Yeah. Hasn't the governor, I'm, I'm reading, I'm looking at the AP uh, news right now, which they wrote an article on this uh, a few days, I think like three days ago. And they said he's rejected 28 bills. And that was almost a lot of them were bipartisan bills. It's just not the two major bills we're going to talk about later. Right. Right. He's, he's uh, rejected a lot. Um, and, just, I'm not going to go into each bill, but besides the two bills that everyone's really talking about, like we're going to go into later, um, a, bu a bunch of bills that are really meaningful also got vetoed um, really quickly, kind of like a lightning round. Um, they He vetoed a bill which allows people to donate, uh, which stops people from donating private funds to pay for election expenses, which is like, you know, how you saw... Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and all that trying to donate money to registrars of voters across the nation to, you know, help, quote unquote, help their their election processes. He vetoed some bills relative to the COVID vaccines and, and COVID in general and liability for that. Um, he vetoed a bill actually just about the checks and balances of the governor versus the legislature during emergencies, which is what they came up against during COVID. Um, he actually vetoed a bill by my state representative, uh, which was about delivering alcoholic beverages. Um, and he also vetoed, besides the firearms bill, he vetoed a bill which would have forced mail-in people who receive mail-in ballots and required them to either use a social security number or a copy of their driver's license on the ballot. So it was sort of an election integrity measure. And a lot of these, like you said, were bipartisan, and a lot of them made sense, but they got vetoed. And that, that's just him saying, look, in my opinion, that's just him saying, well, I am 
the big dog here. I make the final decisions no matter what y'all say and no matter what the Louisiana people want. Right. I think some of the some of these bills that he vetoed weren't really on the you know, the the eyes of the Louisiana people. I mean some of them are just some of them are not really controversial issues that they just were vetoed just because there are things he personally disagreed with. And you got to go by according to your 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 constituents, because like I said, the whole state of Louisiana uh, wanted this veto session because of all the vetoes that he has done, which leads me to my next question. Um, you said that the the elected officials of our state have to go ahead and mail in a vote saying, look, we don't want the veto session. And you have tons of Louisiana citizens saying we want this veto session. So who calls a veto session? Is it Clay Schneider or Paige Cortez? Or is it someone else? Or is it just this vote that happens and it happens automatically? So it, it essentially happens automatically. What, what, what happens is the legislators, if you don't want the veto session to happen, you're going to say, I think this is unnecessary. You sign a piece of paper. It's got two sentences on it, basically, and you send it to whoever the presiding officer of your chamber is. So it's going to be Paige Cortez as the president of the Senate if you are a senator, or it's going to be uh, Clay Sectioner, the Speaker of the House, if you're a member of the House. Each of them, if they get enough of these, or I'm sorry, if they don't get enough of these ballots, they have to call for a meeting of the um, of the legislature. But both houses also have to both houses have to be in the game. Uh, so both houses have to be under the threshold for people thinking it's unnecessary for one to be called. And then once they both receive it, they, they both call. It's a joint call. Oh, so is, is any like a joint session or they, they, they go into their respective houses and discuss these bills separately? Right, yeah. Well, so they have to because the House can't override a veto by itself and neither can the Senate. They have to do it together. You need two-thirds of the whole legislature, so it'll have to be two-thirds in the House and two-thirds in the Senate. Okay, now, now this goes up to my next question uh, because we heard that uh, Representative Ron John, I, I don't know what state he's from, uh, what parish he's from, uh, but he has said he isn't going to be there. Um, Ron John from Lake Charles said that he has a replacement surgery. Now, I don't know if you listen to talk radio here in the state. You know, uh, Moon Grafon calls him Judas John now because he he's saying he's trying just to get out of this to not vote because there's rumors around that he has joined John Bell and John Bell offered him a position or something that way. So he's trying to skip out on the session. And I see right here that – 12 out of the 39 senators didn't want it, and the 35 of the 104 House members didn't want this. But that's that's well short of the majority of each chamber to go ahead and cancel this. What 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 is will these senators, uh, these 12 senators, and these 35 House representatives have to be there, or like Ron John saying he's just going to skip it? What what what's going on with with that? Do do they have to be there? Is that law? What? So what happens is is now that, you know, once you get to the point where a session of the legislature has been called, it is then a regular legislative session. It's still a veto session, so they're only hearing overrides of vetoes. But all of the, 
the same rules of a legislative session apply. So it's not that just the people that wanted this to happen are the people that are compelled to go. Everyone is compelled to go just like they would be for a regular session. However, however, um, you have exemptions. So if you are sick, you know, you can miss a day or whatnot. Uh, these are more important because there's only five days in this session, five calendar days. So Ronnie not being there will undermine a lot of votes because we're very, very close on some of these bills uh, and not so close on others to getting the two-thirds uh, to pass it. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up about, you know, not just about Ronnie's absence, but about any of their absences. It's going to be a very short session. No bills are being introduced. There's no committees that need to hear anything. There's only one vote going that's going to occur per bill, and it's just to do the override. So if somebody say if, if a bill on the if if the bill on like the Shreveport uh, judges serving on a medical panel say is going to happen on Wednesday on the Wednesday, and somebody doesn't show up or two people don't show up and that's the two people that it, that were needed, then that bill is going to fail. That same thing could happen to some of the bills that more people think are more important, like the constitutional carry bill or the, the, women, uh, the women and boys sports bill. See, and that, that's what I was going to ask, because there is rumors around there, and it hasn't been confirmed. I live in Fred Mills' district. And, look, I've never met uh, Fred here, but everybody calls him T. Fred. It's a, he's a local boy in my district. And there was rumors around that Fred was not for this. I have called his office. They have not responded back to me in email or phone call. But there was rumors out there that Fred was thinking about voting with the governor. That With him and Ron John, that would kind of kill a lot of these bills. Because do you think Democrats are going to go against the governor or, or against their party? I think that it's more about I think it's more about party and belief than it is about allegiance to John Bell. Um, allegiance to John Bell can only get you so far uh, in in politics right now because of the fact that you know it's basically conceded that he's not seeking a further office, um, and so therefore he only has say two years left in in office or in power at all. And so it's more it's going to be more about their own political future than what they think about John Bell. That's what's going to make this session really explosive, not explosive, but you'll see the opportunity for some people to change sides. Um, But they're not going to change sides against their initial votes. Some of these bills, like you said, had Democrats supporting them. So they'll they'll most likely be overridden if they're if the Republicans can get the numbers there. So, 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 in your words, do you think? Because we're going to go to the two big bills that everybody's focused on is constitutional carry and the transgender bill that is going on. Where if you're a biological male, you cannot use a women's facility. Do you think those two bills have a chance? Because I remember a while back listening to one of our representatives, can't remember who he said he thinks he had they had the votes even without Republican support because both these bills are bipartisan. You mean without the Democrat support? No, no, with the with because they were both. Uh, if I, if I remember correctly, he said the constitutional carry and the 
the transgender bill had Democrat support. It was bipartisan of this support. So they could go ahead and override it even without Republicans, you know, uh, being part of that. But John Bell has been doing a lot of work to not let this veto session happen. Right. I mean, so look, let's, let's just do some numbers crunching. Okay. And we got, we have to remember, we have to remember that we have to remember that you need two thirds in each house and you need to be able to vote. You, you have to think that all of the Republicans are going to vote homogeneously the same way. Um, here's how the numbers are looking. If you would assume that all the Republicans are for it. Okay. So now that the, the gun bill gets a little bit dicier, but for the, for the transgender, uh, sports bill, this is how I think they're going to really vote homogeneously on that one. This is how the numbers are run. 12 of the 39 senators stated that a veto session was not necessary. So if you assume that the other 27 of the 39, right, wanted, want there to be a veto session, these are probably the big bills that they want to, you know, veto, uh, override the veto of. 27 out of 39 is 69%, which is over two-thirds, right? Two-thirds is 66%. However, that's only one extra person. Um, so, and, that, and they're all Republicans. So, so, uh, so you have two thirds there in the Senate for that big, you know, defining bill in the house, you know, you have two thirds as well, uh, that want the session to occur, right? Because you have, it's 35, uh, I mean, it's, it's a hundred and the 105 members minus 34 that didn't come at 71 and then 71 over 105 is 67% or 68%, which is a little bit more than two-thirds. So if they do have the numbers, it's barely. It's going to be a countdown, nobody flip game, where you try to get at least one extra person from the Democrat side because Ronnie's not going. So it, it puts it basically puts the, 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 the Louisiana GOP in a pickle because – if they don't it just assume that they lose one more Republican that says, hey, I'm going to go ahead and team up with John Bell and not vote for this, both these bills are really dead in the water. Right, right. And you still have the – and this is assuming a lot, right? So the game is we win, we all have two-thirds if everyone shows up. Well, Ronnie's not showing up. So for every person that doesn't show up, you need to grab an extra person either from the other side or somebody, it could be, say, a Republican that maybe didn't want to have the veto session. Those are rare. I believe there's only two. So you have that issue. And then you also have the issue of somebody might get there and get cold feet and abstain. But playing up in this game also is the fact that because John Bell, there's no new election coming around, and because John Bell is sort of on the political decline. He's still very, very politically powerful, but because he's not seeking another office, they have some Democrats, say from North Louisiana, that would possibly flip. And it also their constituents, too. If their constituents maybe 
Because, like I said, I've called Mike Huval. I've called Fred Mills, my representatives here in, the, I think it's District 22, that, you know, I, I told them, look, I, I really would like for them to go ahead and vote, you know, for these bills and to override the governor. Like I said, I have not got no emails, no phone calls back. I might get some later on. But it, it, the people, I believe, push them as well. They might have a different a different take on it, especially a first-time representative that say, I want to get reelected. I better do this because they're going to remember this. Right. And like I said, for those two bills, uh, especially for the gun bill, it, it's not looking good. Um, the things are, everything is playing against the favor of an override just because they need two extra votes uh, in the House from Democrats or independents to reach two thirds just because um, of people that are not able to attend. And then you still have the problem of somebody getting cold feet and abstaining. Right. So. Right. So, so, so I got a question to ask you, and this will be my last question for the day. If, if we're not sure these bills are going to pass, is it just maybe just telling the governor, Hey, we still have power or in my in my thinking, if we don't have the bills, why even go ahead and try to do this? Is it just for show or just to tell the Louisiana people, hey, we tried because, unfortunately, Louisiana politics and politicians are like that. You know, they say, well, we're going to do some. They, they, they go ahead and try to do it, and they fail and say, oh, we tried, so you should vote for us next time because we try again. Well, I really think that, you know, some at least one bill is going to get overridden. And that's going to serve as, as a check um, because no bills have been overridden and, you know, since 19, no vetoes have been not overridden since 1974. They just either, they just try it again the next year and maybe their bill passed the next session. Um, so I think that besides the ones that are the more controversial, something's going to get overridden. And the other thing that I think is going to play into our favor, something to consider is, you know, there's a background game going on here. Representatives talk, uh, the speaker and the and the president talk, and nobody allows this to be half called, uh, and nobody allows nobody's going to the leadership is not going to allow this to be half called and and lose and win nothing and lose everything. Somebody up at the top thinks they have enough numbers at least on one bill to get something done. Um, it would be terrible to think that you know the leadership would allow a veto session to just wind up in an abysmal failure. I got you. I got you. Well, Luke, I want to thank you for coming on. My brother, it's always a pleasure to, to sit down and talk with you for a few minutes on Louisiana politics. So, And I hope you had a – I know it's late, but I hope you had a good 4th of July and I hope you had a good month so far. Oh, absolutely. I'm a big uh, – courtesy of the red, white, and blue has been playing in my house all, all month. <laughs> Hey, 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 you got you to gotta also play the uh, God Bless the USA as well, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always. All right, Luke, we appreciate you coming on, my brother. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Luke Dupree. He is the Cadiana representative uh, for the Republican Commission and also works with the L.A. GOP. Uh, great guy, great, great source to have to know what's going on, especially in this in this time with with everything going on with this override session, we just need to know some. So I want to thank Luke for coming on. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Texas legislators, how they went ahead and have a special session and left the state.
But ain't the Democrats the ones saying, well, we need to have democracy full force because everybody else is taking away democracy. We're going to talk about that and much more after the break. For delivering material to a job site, Acadiana uses Hayes Dump Truck Services. Since 2011, Hayes has been moving heaven and earth to job sites all over Acadiana with their top-of-the-line dump trucks. Whether it's a huge landscaping job or a pre-construction site, Hayes has the manpower and equipment to move the materials fast, fast. You call, we haul. Dirt, compost, gravel, topsoil, fill sand, and limestone. Call Hayes right now, 852-8043. Hayes Dump Truck Services, where Jesus is Lord of this company. segment of the Cajun Conservative Show. Once again, thank I want to thank Luke Dupree for coming on. You know, a great he has great knowledge of the Louisiana session and everything that's going on. And just just a great to go inside there and see how the minds of our legislators are doing here in the state of Louisiana. And and look, I I feel this is a very important issue because John Bell Edwards for years. If you not have, if you haven't lived in the state of Louisiana, you don't know what I'm talking about. But my Louisiana audience will know what I'm about to say. John Bell Edwards has been beating up Republicans since day one in office. He has been fight. He has been just, you know, it's like you, you go ahead and it's like a college football team facing a little league team, a baseball team. And, of course, the college team is always going to win. And that's how this has been feeling. Now that we have the Senate, now that we have the uh, the House of Representatives and the, the majority of both houses going Republican, you would think that, man, Republicans, yes, y'all have the state. Y'all ran on saying, we're not going to give y'all new taxes. We're not. We're going to fight to give y'all the conservative way and come to find out none of that is true. None whatsoever. You know, there was one bill that Paige Cortez was passing through where it gave the Louisiana one of the biggest tax hikes in the ever. And now this veto session, to to be honest with you, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, I think the only reason that we're having this veto session is because of the Louisiana citizen. The people that stood up and said, listen, we want these bills. We want this to be overturned. So I believe that's going to be the big difference, you know, Luke and I talked a little bit about the bills, and we, you know, we just got to see what happens. And I'm praying, I'm praying that the at least two, the two big bills that everybody's worried about will get passed. Will it happen? We're going to find out at the end of the week. We're probably going to talk more about this later on. I know from my audience that are outside the state of Louisiana, like in Texas and Alabama and all these other places, you know, we're, we're getting to national issues. But Louisiana is Louisiana is really in some trouble if this does not pass, and especially the concealed carry and the transgender bill. We, we're gonna have to see what happens. We're probably gonna talk about that next week as well. But anyway, so early in the week, we had the state of Texas 
Greg Abbott, the Republican governor, called for a special session. During this, the, the start of this special session, the Democrat representatives of their legislative house went ahead and left. I believe it was on Monday. Greg Abbott brought out this statement. Um, uh, looking for it right here. Yeah, Abbott made an appearance on the Ingram Angle on Monday to defend the bills and says the missing lawmakers will be arrested upon their return to the state. Let me give you some detail what was going on. They, like I said, they went ahead and called for this special session, Greg Abbott. And mainly for a election bill. Texas went ahead and rewrote election, the election laws to further secure the, the election process. Now these things, you know, about voter ID and all this stuff, a lot of the argument that the Democrat is bringing about, uh, the Democrats are bringing about is that this is racist because minorities really don't need a license because they, they don't have, poor people don't have cars. And I'm thinking, they don't need a license. Well, it's kind of funny, though. They, they need a license to get alcohol. They need a license to, to you know, virtually do anything, you know, to get. I'm, I'm probably going to step on some toes right here, but you need ID or some form of uh, ID to get food stamps. You need some form of ID or some form of identification to get alcohol or cigarettes. You, you need that. But, folks, that... So that this is what this bill is really it's really securing more. I think it eliminated drop boxes, eliminated mail in ballots, you know, all the stuff that the Democrats like and they, they have an HR one or Senate resolution one for the People's Act. We're gonna call it like that, which in my opinion is not for the People's Act, it is a bunch of garbage. So anyway, so the, the Democrats legislators left. They said, you know, we're gonna go ahead and flee to Washington, D.C. And we're going to show the world that these big, mean Republicans don't care about your voting rights. The Republicans don't care about your vote. The Republicans don't want you to vote. They only want the mean white people to vote. The sexists, the racists, the homophobes, that's the only ones they want to vote. But us Democrats... And one Democrat said that I'm sacrificing a lot to get on this luxurious plane and eat this luxurious food all without my mask and go to Washington DC. I'm suffering because I'm leaving my family. You're not, you're not suffering at all. Let's talk about the veterans that are homeless. Let's talk about the people that, that, that don't have nothing that is suffering through this time. Let's talk about the all field workers and, and the and the people that lost their jobs under the Biden administration that are suffering to keep their houses and to keep the vehicles that they have. Let's not talk about that. That's not sacrifice. Apparently, to a politician, it isn't. But this uh, is a sacrifice. And there, and uh, the Democrats, some of their quotes are, "Oh, we're going there, and we're fighting the mean, the re- mean Republicans that are trying to stop you from voting." It's kind of odd, though, folks, that the same Democrats that are saying we're going to stop this vote for the people and the democracy is stopping democracy. Do you know that they are stopping democracy altogether by stopping this vote? 
See, the people want this, folks. The people of Texas. Now, I don't live in Texas, but I know I have friends that do live in Texas. And they want this bill. They want the protection of their voting rights. They want to make sure that whoever's voting is the person that's voting, not Tom, Dick, and Harry that's using Phyllis' Phyllis, uh, Phyllis's name. They want this, but the, see, the Democrats' problem is that they cannot get their way. In this incident, they cannot get their way. And, and of course, the federal government, well, I say the federal government, the federal Democrat Party is endorsing this. They opened them in open arms in Washington, D.C. They, Kamala Harris even met them there, which ironically, you know, they were talking about masses and everything. They were on this charter plane. That was a big controversy in this as well. They're taking pictures on this charter plane where they're closer than six feet apart, folks. And they don't have their masks and everything. I heard today through uh, one of my friends that, and my, well, my family member, that told me that half of these Congress people caught COVID on the way to Washington. And all of them were vaccinated. There's a side note right there. Also, Kamala Harris went to uh, Walter Reed's Medical Center because they want to make sure, because she was around all these people, by the way. Where we go to the point where I mentioned earlier, Greg Abbott said, look, if they don't come back, when they do return to the state, we're calling the federal government, we're calling the agency, the Texas Rangers, the state police, whoever, to go arrest them and bring them back to do their sworn duty in America, uh, in, in this Texas. And look, it's apparently it's in the Texas Constitution. You listen to Matt Walsh and Michael Knoll and uh, Ben Soprano uh, and all these men that, that know what they're talking about. They, they went ahead and said, yeah, it, it's lawful. He can go ahead and call them and get them to the state, to the state capitol. So they have to do their job. And folks, it, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. This is all hypocrisy. You know, the Democrat party, oh, is talking about, cause this is one of their arguments with this. And like I said, they have, to my knowledge, they haven't went back yet and they haven't been arrested. Um, according to some of them, but we're not scared of being arrested by Greg Abbott. Folks, this is all about fraud and voting rights. But I'm going to bring a point before I get into that because the Democrat Party is worried about these minority, uh, the minority Democrats in the Texas House. They're worried, and that's one of the arguments, that they're not getting heard. They're, they're, they're just being thrown to the side while the Republicans push their agenda. Ooh, them bad Republicans. I want to go ahead and play Mitch McConnell early in the week. Because I, I think Mitch McConnell can, and I'm going to go iterate after what he says, but Mitch McConnell, you know, really put this into motion because he, he's really showing the hypocrisy of the Democrat Party. I've noticed that the, uh, the Democrat minority in the Kentucky, in the, in the Texas legislature, is up here today, and I think it's uh, quite interesting to see the Democratic majority in the Senate concerned about minority rights in the state Senate in Texas. I guess if you live long enough, you'll see almost anything around here. Okay, so listen to what Mitch McConnell just said. The Democrat majority in the federal government, the Senate and the Congress, is worried about the minority rights of the Democrats in the state house and senate in texas well if you're so worried about minority rights and the minorities getting a voice in the bills 
Why are you pushing a $3.5 trillion spending bill? Which you're saying we can get it passed without Republican support. Because they're, they're, they're playing politics, folks. They cannot get it because of the filibuster. And that's one point in itself. These Democrats, oh, the Democrats in Texas, they're not getting representative. They're not getting that. The reason being could have supermajority in the House and Senate. But they want to go ahead and destroy the filibuster that protects a minority in the federal government. But anyway, in this, this bill that they're passing, I think it's $3.5 trillion, whatever, whatever the price tag is of the spending bill, which Chuck Schumer's trying to hurry up and get through before the Republicans find a way to kill it. They, they want to go ahead and pass it through a way where you don't need a 60 uh, vote count. And I got this right before the, uh, before this segment started. Lizzie Graham said he'll follow the lead of Texas House Democrats who fled the state and leave for vote on spending bill. So, hey, if, if, if state senators can do it and state congressmen can do it, well, the federal government can as well, right? See, that's the hypocrisy of this, folks. They don't, they, they want, when they're in the minority, they are, they, oh, you, you Republicans, you have to work with us. The filibuster's good because it gives us a say in bills and, and all that stuff. But when they're in power, oh, no, 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 it's our way or the highway. Hey, we got 50 votes to, to, to stop that dang filibuster. And then they realized Joe Manchin and the, I can't, I gotta think of that woman's name in Arizona that said, no, we're not gonna go ahead and cancel the filibuster. It changed their whole tone. See, they were going in there, we're gonna change. We're gonna change America. And now they can't do it. But now they, they're working on Joe Manchin. I heard a theory that this was all to try to persuade Joe Manchin and the other senator to go ahead and say, look, well, you know, hey, this, this is bad. We're gonna have to go ahead and do this because early in the week as well, I think it was the day after, they had a congresswoman that ran to the uh that ran to the Senate building to protest this big bad bill and the Republicans. I'm trying to think of the uh Democrat congresswoman Joyce Betty was arrested in the in in the Hart Senate office building Thursday afternoon after she led a group of protesters into the building. Now, there's a lot of issues right here, folks. There's a lot of issues right here. She just led an insurrection. Oh, no, you won't hear that on ABC, NBC, and ABC, and all them people. She led a group of protesters into this Senate building. Ain't that an insurrection? Because we got the, we got the, the, um, the insurrection down pack apparently to the Trump support or to the media that Trump supporters did back in January 6th. But you didn't hear nothing about that. That was on Fox News. Folks, this is what it's about. This is all a push to show that the Republicans are big and mean and bad, and they don't want you to vote. And I explained it earlier how much you got to have you have to have an ID to buy cigarettes. You got to have an ID to go ahead and get food stamps. You have a, you have to get an ID to do a lot of stuff, which is another argument. You know, in Texas, that it just shows for voter ID. It's four dollars for a non-driver's license. But the Democrats, oh, we don't want people to buy their license to go vote. Well, what, which you just don't want people to vote or you want, you don't, you want people to vote illegally. See, folks, if they go ahead and get rid of the social security number and the driver's license for your voting record, any illegal immigrant can come from the southern border, which we're going to talk a little bit about that later on, the hypocrisy of that as well. But the, to go ahead and to bring 
You know, to stop all this, especially in Texas, that anyone could vote without an ID, every illegal alien would go ahead and register to vote. And they wouldn't have to prove that they're a United States citizen. They wouldn't. And that, that's the sad thing about this. This is what these Democrats are fighting. They, they, first off, they can't get their way. But they know, especially in Texas, that if they don't get the illegal immigrants' votes, they won't get into office. They want Texas blue, folks. You got to realize, California is their stronghold for the, the Electoral College. Texas is really ours. I believe Texas has the second most electoral votes in this country. It is hypocrisy, folks. It is hypocrisy. And and the thing of it is, I don't think Texas, and one of the reasons why Texas put this law, and this will be my last point, is because they don't want what's happening in Arizona right now. Arizona just came out with an audit saying that certified count did not match the state Senate president. Wait, what? Now, this is from the Daily Wire. So apparently they went ahead and they they did a count now through, you know, through inside sources. They they told me that they went on knock on doors and said, hey, did you vote? Oh, I don't remember. And they put it down to no. And they, we don't know how this all went about. I, I was, you know, I had a listener ask me one time, why don't you talk more about the Arizona audit? And I, I basically told him it's kind of shaky. But Arizona President Kerry Fine said that Fine said that this week the number of the 2020 general election ballot did not match the ballot total documents by Macapona County. But she also said that she's uncertain how wide the apparent disruption is. So they don't know how wide the margin is. They just say it did not match. Is that a few thousand votes, which is not uncommon, or is it? Uh, you know, ten thousands of votes. We don't know, but that's what Texas don't want. Texas don't want what happened back in Arizona or in Pennsylvania. I heard earlier this week that the Georgia uh, Secretary of State is being investigated because of his mishandling of the election back in twenty twenty. Texas don't want that. And look, you know, I, I was just told that Louisiana. We, we're talking about a veto session in the first segment about how Louisiana how John Bell went ahead and signed and vetoed bills. One of them was an election bill to say, look, if you want a mail-in ballot, you got to prove who you are by social security number or ID. John Bell was in a statement said, well, changing the laws of a Louisiana, uh, changing the Louisiana law after an election that you didn't think came out the way it should. Really? Now I hope that gets vetoed because common sense Folks, it, it is not that I don't think Texas wants the headache that they're having in Arizona right now. And also, I'm going to give credit to credit doing this last point. I know I said that was my last point, but I got one more point. Just thought about it. Michael Knowles said it the best way too. you know, these Democrats are fighting over all these election laws right now. But two, three years ago, before the 2020 election, all the all that what they're fighting for. They say it's against the, the democracy and against the republic, and it, it's unfair. What's here two years ago? It, it wasn't, It wasn't. you know, like these laws were always on the books. But they they, they want to go ahead now, and that should tell you some folks, that they want to keep this because it gives them a better chance to win. And that's, 
That's the whole, that's the whole issue of this. Fighting over, they saying these are all new laws. They're not new laws. These are old laws from two years ago. These Democrats want to keep this. Keep, keep these laws. Cause betters, it, it, it benefits them to win elections. I'll be right back. How you doing, everyone? Isaac here, and I'm here to tell you about the Scott Ford Show on YouTube. I know Scott personally. He's a true blue, red-hot conservative. Talking about current world events, but just not telling you about the world events. He's giving you a guide on his opinion of what's going on. So today, go ahead and check out the Scott Ford Show on YouTube. Since I've told you, next time I see you, I'm going to ask you, did you watch the Scott Ford Show? If you say yes, I'm going to give you a thumbs up with a big smile. If not, I'm going to look at you weird and say, why are you not watching the Scott Ford Show? So go check out the Scott Ford Show today on YouTube. You will not be disappointed. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Cajun Conservative Show of the Week. You know, I, I'm I'm going to have to try to go ahead and do another show. Because, you know, uh, I hear a lot of people tell me that. They're like, Isaac, we like your show, and we really wish we had you, had, you were there more. And I, I'm going to have to schedule a few things. I have cleared up my schedule a little bit, and I'm going to have to try to start doing something, you know, and... I really enjoy doing this, and I just want to thank everybody, as always, every week for allowing me to come into your homes or your vehicles or your headsets and to spread a little bit of knowledge and to go ahead and to educate some of my listeners, which I I might just be preaching to the choir. Some of y'all might already know or have the same opinions I have, but it's an honor and a blessing, and I would not be doing this without y'all. And I just want to thank everyone for supporting me. I don't want to thank everyone. I, I do this always. It, I, words cannot describe how much I enjoy coming every week and doing this. And people messaging me and telling me, hey, we like your show. Or coming up to me and telling me we like your show. It's it's real humbling to to go ahead and comment. And look, I just want to make an announcement. You know, the the Facebook page has grown. The Facebook page, I believe we're at 750 likes and 790-some followers. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I want to thank everyone that has liked me on Facebook. And keep it going. Share with your friends. Share the podcast episodes. Go like us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Go subscribe to us, I mean. And like me on Facebook. Go ahead and look at the website. Go, go, you know, go ahead and share with all your friends. Tell them, hey, we know, some, we know a Cajun from the Bayou that talks politics and i don't know if i'm the greatest but yeah i try my best so and that's all i i guess that's all y'all can ask for and it's just it's just a blessing and an encouragement to to sit behind this golden cajun microphone and i say golden gold plated so uh i i gotta i gotta i gotta look a little fancy you know hey i can't afford the real stuff so i'll buy the imitated stuff hey i don't get paid for this so 
But hey, you can change that, you know, if you like and subscribe. So I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, hey, give me a little, a little nudge. But anyway, all right. So I want to go ahead and address the stuff that's going on in Cuba. Um, so apparently Cuba is Cuba is in an uprising right now. I have an article from the Daily Wire where it says. Massive protests erupts as Cubans citizens demand to end the communists, communists, and asking for freedom. Basically, we want freedom. That's one of the the protest chants, and it's kind of funny, which we're going to dive into a little bit more. My my friend and good uh, good brother Scott Ford, conservative brother, has a, a a video out where he talks a little bit about this, where you know. Talking about the Cuban flag, uh, the, the the Cubans are flying more American flags. You go check out Scott Ford on YouTube in his new video. It, it's kind of it, you know this. Why are Cuba Why is these protests erupting in Cuba? And it's been going on for about a week now. And a lot of a lot of people, I think they had like a hundred protesters arrested. They don't know where they at because the communist regime regime there is trying try, trying to ease this up, and they're trying to make deals with the protesters. But why the citizens? I, I'm just I'm just wondering why the citizens of Cuba are asking for their freedom. Don't don't these citizens know that they got free everything? They got free health care. They got free school. They they got free everything. The communist regime there has given them everything. Oh, I'm sorry. Socialism. Really? All your socialist nuts out there that say socialism is the best way to go? People, the Cuba, uh, the people in Cuba are suffering. And, and there's politicians out there right now telling Joe Biden and telling people in america and celebrities oh joe biden help these people they're suffering don't you know that you're you're preaching to the choir because joe biden believes in socialism oh no isaac he's a moderate no he's not the the same policies that they're put they have in cuba the president of these United States believe we should have free health care free mortgage free college Free everything. And the politicians are living off the fat of the people. A lot of celebrities like Colin Kaepernick wore Fidel Castro's shirts and proudly proclaiming that they believe Fidel Castro was a good leader. You had Bernie Sanders go to Cuba. I don't think Bernie Sanders said anything wrong. Even Black Lives Matter has come against the protesters. There was an article by Fox News. The correction. The EPEC Times, Black Lives Matter blamed deadly Cuban protesters on U.S. government defense regime. So it's America's fault because America ain't around to, to, to help out. Folks, this uprising is showing what people have to go through in a communist slash socialism nation. And, peop- and look, look at this. Who do they look to as the standard for freedom? Who they want to be like? Who they want Cuba to turn to? Uh, I, I wish I had a drum roll here, but... Brrr, ding! America! Folks, the Cuban people are walking around with their Cuban flag, but at the same time has the, have a, has the American flag right by side. 
Like I said, Scott Ford goes ahead and brings out some of this in his last video, which was a great video, by the way. But it's it's funny, folks. We have people in a communist slash socialistic nation that are telling their leaders, we demand our freedom. And, and they're waving the American flag saying, look, we want to be like America. We want to be like America. These, these are people that supposedly get everything for free, free health care, free housing, free, free everything. But they want to be like America, which is sad. Our athletes don't even want to be like America. Our athletes don't want to go ahead and represent this great country. I've been preaching on it for the last three weeks and giving you examples of stupid, idiotic athletes at the Olympics that want to burn the flag, turn their back on the flag. And the latest thing is the, the, the women's soccer team, majority of them kneeling by in the national anthem to protest. And, and they have this organization on here, Black Lives Matter, across their jerseys. And black, look, Black Lives Matter, through this article, through the EPEC Times, shows me that this organization, which we've been proclaiming for the last year and a half, is a communist, Marxist, socialistic organization. Of course, we're going to have to do this disclaimer. We don't believe, we believe the phrase Black Lives Matter is important. I believe Black Lives Matters. I believe White Lives Matter. I believe Asian Lives Matter. I believe All Lives Matter. Let's just go ahead and get out of the fact. But the organization itself is blaming the United States government, cruel and inhumane economical embargo for the current uprising in Cuba while praising the communist regime for its solidarity by granting asylum to black revolutionaries. What? So, so because we don't want to go ahead and deal with a communist socialistic nation, which Biden might try. We're wrong. Folks, that's, that's like giving meat to a pit bull. That's about to bite you. And of course, black, uh, Cuba's going to welcome Black Lives Matter because they believe the same way. So this proves that Black Lives Matter is a, a communistic Marxist organization. Now, as I go along with this, because there's a lot of hypocrisies that the Democrats are doing. There's a lot of Democrats that are blaming the, 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 the same way as BLM is. Now, folks, this, this could be considered a revolt, an uprising. Uh, it, it could be anything. But with all this, you know, there's people that are fleeing because there is protest, but there's people that, that are always fleeing Cuba to come to the United States. Cuba is 90 miles from Florida. And uh, granted, you got to cross waters. And, and, and I, I saw a meme earlier that said it was showing some people in a raft, some type of vessel, trying to cross them 90 miles and said, this is the people that are leaving their country that got everything for free. It, it, it's, a, it's a shame, folks. It's a shame. And, and this is the thing. 
we, I'm going to go ahead and shift a little bit because this is about the same way. This is leaning towards the same way. Asylum. You have tons and tons of people coming across the southern border claiming they want asylum from Guatemala and all these other states where Mexico and I believe Guatemala don't. This, I, the requirements for asylum is a civil war, a uprising, or communism. Mexico don't meet those requirements and Guatemala don't meet the, meet the requirements. Last time I, I checked. But Cuba does. Cuba got a communist dictator, a socialist dictator. Fidel Castro started that back in the 60s. And look, folks, Fidel Castro ruined Cuba. Back in 1964, before 1964, Cuba was flourishing. You know, how many of y'all remember the I Love Lucy shows? And there was an episode, and it was fictional, of course, but Ricky met Lucy in Cuba in the show. And that was, of course, before the, the socialist regime got in there, Fidel Castro and all that, that stuff. But Cuba was talked about, hey, let's go to Cuba. Hey, Cuba's a good spot. Now people don't want to go to Cuba because it's in ruins. But anyway, back to my initial point. The, there's people that are, that are crossing our southern border trying to claim asylum, and they say, hey, come on down to the United States of America. You have Kamala Harris going to El Paso where there's nobody crossing, really, but you had, they didn't go to the real southern part like Trump did. And, and they're letting these people come in by droves. But this was the DHS secretary, which is Department of Homeland Security, telling the Cuban people that are crossing the 90-mile short distance from Cuba to Florida to try to seek asylum. This is the Department of Homeland Security leader right here saying this to the Cuban people. Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. The time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. Again, I repeat, do not risk your life attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. You will not come to the United States. So what's the difference between the southern border where you're telling everybody, come on down to the United States and live and, and, and get government assistance and telling these Cuban people, hey, don't come to the United States. Which one fits asylum and one doesn't. Now, if these people are really suffering and looking for asylum, yes, come here and, and, and find refuge. That's what happened in the 60s and 70s under Fidel Castro. People came here and, and Cuban descended people said, look, we don't want to live in a communistic, socialistic nation. We want to go to America. And America's like, well, yeah, this is a communist regime. Y'all come and we'll take care of y'all. On the other hand, in the southern border where Mexico, where there's no conflict, there's no problems, you could say, oh, come on in. What's the difference? And I heard a lot of reasons, but this is my main reason, I think, is voting rights. You know, we talked about voting rights in Texas earlier in the, in the podcast, and, and this, this fits in. More Cubans, uh, uh, more Cuban people tend to vote Republican. As for the southern border Mexico, Mexicans that come over, tendly vote to the left. See, that's the thing. This DHS secretary is a Democrat. So he wants the Democrat regime to flourish. So, hey, let's invite, Demo let's invite 
the immigrants, which I believe there's 11 million immigrants that are not that that are here that are not legal. And Joe Biden wants to go ahead and give them citizenship right off the jump. That's potentially 11 million votes for the Democrat Party. Now, that's the ones we know about. We don't know about the ones we don't know about. And that's why Texas, going back to my last point on the second segment, that's one of the reasons why Texas is fighting so hard to do a voting law. That's why Arizona is. That's why Nevada is. Because they don't want legal immigrants to vote. Just imagine if H.R. 1 would pass, the For the People's Act would pass. How much fraudulent votes from illegal immigrants would be on there? So let's welcome the Mexico, the Mexican people over the southern border. But the Cuban people, hey, y'all, y'all stay in your country. Y'all suffer. Y'all, y'all, y'all go ahead. Y'all not welcome to the United States. Because then people tend to vote more to the right because they know what a communist regime is. Folks, the, the hypocrisy of this story, of, of, of how the Democrats are holding this and holding high the, the, the Cuban government. Folks, the Cuban government is corrupt. The Cuban government it, it is socialistic, Marxist a government. These people are suffering in Cuba. But just think about this. Just, just think about this. Do you really want, do you want America to be that way? Oh, Isaac, what you're talking about, America could never be that way. Really? Look at your current politicians, Bernie Sanders, Bro, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, Ilar Omar, and that's just a few of them. They believe in this, folks. I'm going to do the whisper thing like Joe Biden. They believe in this. They believe that our nation should be a socialist network. They, and, oh, they never said that. Really? What? Uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez says it all the time. She believes that every citizen in the United States has the right to have free college. <gasps> you know they have free college in, um, in old Cuba? Oh, we believe that it's a right for a person to have health care. Really? You know they have free health care in Cuba? <gasps> no. Do you, you know, everyone should not have to pay their bills. They should have free housings if they need it. Well, you know, they have free housing in Cuba. <sighs> Folks, the Democrat Party is a socialistic Marxist party. And look, there's some good Democrats out there. I have friends that are Democrats. I'm not saying every single Dem- registered Democrat is bad. But the leadership in the top of the party is against the republic. Therefore, what's happening in Cuba. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, our country will be that way. But that's where we need to stand up as American citizens and say, we don't want to be like Cuba. We don't want to be like Venezuela. We don't want to be a socialistic country. That's why we need to show up and vote in 2022. And that's why we need to make our voices heard right now. Because they're trying to take away our Second Amendment right. I mean, our First Amendment right. And then they go after our Second Amendment. I forgot to talk about that with Cuba with no weapons. I want to thank you for listening to the Cajun Conservative today. I hope you be safe. Hope God blesses you wherever you are. Remember, Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's coming back one day. I hope you're ready to meet him. If not, get ready to meet him. So until next week, you have a blessed week.
May God's face shine upon you and bless you. Bye-bye.